you know, kind of chunking it into three parts. So for me, I know my strategy for the marathon is going to be those first five or six miles. I'm going to be easy mode, getting my rhythm, right? Getting my breathing down in control, holding back, making sure I'm checking that I'm not going too fast because that's the biggest mistake, right? We all make. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Hey, healthy runners, are you ready for your glow up? Have you guys heard the news yet? Knox Gear's signature product, the Tracer, which I have been glowing about, see what I did there, for the better part of nine months now, has just been re-engineered for a better fit, higher visibility, more color modes, and twice the LEDs for your brightest move yet with the Tracer 2. All of our healthy runners use Knox Gear during this time of the year when the days are getting shorter in order to get in those runs, even if it is dark outside. One of my pet peeves is when I'm driving and I don't see a runner until the last minute because they're not visible because they're not using Knox Gear. We're all about runner health on this podcast and Knox Gear's Tracer 2 is an essential running tool to keep you safe and visible while running. The Tracer 2 keeps me lit up from all directions during my 5.30 a.m. runs, and I always get shout-outs and comments from other walkers and people traveling in cars because they notice the light display I'm giving off. If you are looking for running gear that will actually help you stay safe while running, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 35% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to knoxgear.com. That's N-O-X-G-E-A-R dot com and use the code HEALTHYRUNNER at checkout to save 35% off. Go ahead and give Knox Gear a try. Trust me, you will never feel safer running. It's marathon season and just like our last couple of episodes, we are going to provide you with some jam-packed value so you can make the most out of your marathon training. Welcome to this special episode on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I am joined by me, myself, and my medal. This is the medal that I got yesterday. It is Medal Monday officially um, at the time of this recording. This was half marathon number 29, um, which was really my tune-up race for my marathon. Um, and I just wanted to, uh, first off provide a little bit of kind of reflection from this half marathon. This was a training run 
as part of my marathon training for my second ever uh, marathon. And it was an absolute uh, joy to number one, see so many of our Healthy Runner community members um, at this race. Uh, so just to give you a quick recap, and then we're going to get into your marathon questions because I put out the call to action. And let me just tell you guys, you guys delivered, like literally I still cannot get through my whole inbox of all the questions that you submitted. So I'm going to do my best to like rapid fire, go through your marathon questions that you want answered in this episode. But real quick, uh, just want to give a quick, quick, quick recap of the Surftown half marathon uh, that was yesterday, which is right in Rhode Island, kind of the border of Connecticut. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, learned a lot from this race. This was a um, a really a 60 miles total that I did, um, for the day. So kind of part of my long run, uh, for marathon training, two miles, nice, easy, easy warm up, And then basically it was a long run with some spice as coach Lou would call it. Right. Uh, so implemented my half marathon strategy in the middle, and then we did a nice little recovery jog. Um, at the end, it was a, uh, great day overall. Um, in terms of kind of take home points for my training, like I hit the goals of what I needed to do and to practice racing, right? So this is a tune-up race for the marathon. And we highly encourage most of our athletes who are running a marathon to do a tune-up race to practice everything that you are going to do on your marathon race day in terms of like what you're going to wear, nutrition, fueling, electrolytes, right? Like just being in the race setting how do you prepare the day before? How do you prepare before your race? And then what do you do for recovery after? Like all of those things are super, super important. Um, so much so that at you know the time of this recording, I got to wear my like spark singlet, like to get in marathon mood, because this is what I'm going to be wearing for my marathon. So I figured it was a uh, time to bust it out for this episode. And as far as like the race itself, I was pretty happy about executing the proper strategy. We've talked about race strategy a lot before on this podcast, um, but I was able to hold back in the beginning, even uh, so much so that coach Lou said um, he was trying to, you know, really hold back because he's a lot faster than me, of course, um, and stay with me, but he started going too fast. And I, I was sticking with my strategy. I wasn't going to like, you know, follow him. And then he kept looking back and he's like, wait, oh, he didn't realize he was going a little too fast. Um, so I was really happy with kind of getting in a good rhythm early on in the race. And some of the things that I'm going to mention right here are going to really be pertinent for marathoning, right? And actually running a marathon. So in the beginning of the race, the hardest thing to do for most novice runners, um, for those of you who haven't done, you know, a lot of races, like this was half marathon number 29 for me. So I, I've done a bunch of these now and have learned from my early mistakes at going out too fast and getting pumped up. So it is, you know, a conscious effort that my goal literally for a half marathon is to hold back and breathe and get in a good rhythm and just work on my running form and my breathing and making sure that I'm hitting the pace that I need to hit for those first um, three miles. So I did that goal met and then the middle miles, that was really good because a lot of times I tend to kind of, depending upon, upon like a section of the race, I'll like drift from my goal pace. And I was really able to kind of keep those middle miles feeling relatively easy at my goal pace and not 
overworking, being smart on the hills. There were lots of hills in Watch Hill uh, portion of the race. And then there was a lot when we got to Wikipog at the end there, which was a little tough, um, a lot of up and downs. And it's like a little deceiving because this course, like literally, and I think um, Susanna, you had uh, sent me a message about the course, how it, you know, they advertise as like fast and flat. And yes, there are parts that are flat. Um, with a gradual, gradual incline, but then there are parts that are like up and down and they're not like tiny little rolling hills. They're like pretty steep hills up and pretty steep hills down. So you definitely need some practice with running hills if you are to run this half marathon. Um, but it is hard in those middle miles to sometimes, you know, you, you really wipe yourself out going up those hills. So I was adjusting my pace based upon that. And then catching up on the downhill, not trying to break on the downhills. So I was kind of happy with that. Um, and, you know, the hardest part for me in this race was the mental game at the end. And we're going to get into that today because I got a lot of questions about that. So I'm going to talk specifics about that. So, you know, the end was tough. This was uh, my first race in a while that I didn't get a negative split, uh, which I really pride myself in trying to execute the perfect strategy. It was hard mentally and the humidity just got me at the end. Um, it was, you know, dew point was about 63 degrees. It, was, it felt like 70 degrees. So it's, you know, warm for a race, um, when you're going out at race effort. Um, and it got me those last three miles. It, I didn't have anything else. I was digging deep, trying to push as much as I could. And it really got the best of me. Um, all in all, I didn't hit the time of my last half marathon. Um, but keeping that in mind and the course itself, this was a course PR. So I did run this race uh, last year at this time for the first time. And, um, you know, definitely did not have the wins that I had last year. So that was a benefit, but I was happy to shave off, you know, two minutes and 10 seconds from last year's time. So I'll take that. And it really gave me the practice I needed during this marathon training cycle to be able to really see like, okay, Dwayne, like, what do you need to really work on uh, before this marathon? And it is the end. And I know that. And it's the mental stuff that we're going to talk about and how we really, you know, when we get to the pain cave, you know, how do we actually, you know, respond to that? You know, another good thing that Coach Lou commented was like, I wasn't as wiped as last year. Like last year, I was really, really wiped at the end. And, you know, I couldn't definitely not jog a mile after the race last year. Um, so my recovery is pretty good today, next day recovery. Like I feel good, little muscle soreness, nothing like too crazy. Um, so it's, you know, T minus four weeks out from my goal marathon first time in five years at Hartford. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to kind of taking, you know, some of the lessons that I learned from this half marathon. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to, all the healthy runners who did amazing, like our coaching clients there, Susanna um, was there, Kim was there, um, Lou was there, um, you know, we had Stephanie there, which was great to meet for the first time. And, you know, Jean was there. So a lot of our coaching clients kind of crushed the half marathon. It was a fun event. Coach Lou was there. Um, Shauna was there, friend of the show, who's been on multiple times, and she's done some of our spark merch uh, from Stiletto Running. So it was great to do my warm up miles with her um, as well and got to rock my uh, strong mind, strong body, just keep running uh, tank top. And for those um, who have seen the tank tops that we've been kind of posting on, you know, Instagram or on Facebook and the Spark Healthy Runner um, Instagram account. 
we're going to open up a new order uh, within the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you guys will be able to get a little merch if you missed out on the last order. We will be doing a pre-order um, for this fall, and we'll have some new items besides a t-shirt that carbs give me spark. If you believe that is 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 your motto that carbs give you sparks i know it is uh, my motto and we'll definitely talk about that today but um we're gonna have the uh tank tops that we wore for the race yesterday um as well as t-shirts as well as long sleeve tech shirts so for those doing some fall races um or heading to the gym and you want something to work out in and then also we're going to do some hoodies so keep your eye out for that if you are just listening to the podcast and you're not on my email list i would um definitely send me an email uh, get on email list click the link in the show notes so you hear about that when uh, that launches so it will be like a week launch uh, we take all pre-orders uh, so you can get your order in because we definitely won't be doing another order until probably the spring um, at earliest. Um, so and then also shout out to Coach Cat because Coach Cat volunteered at this race and she um, they were actually uh, low on volunteers for this race. So she was working like triple duty at the finish line, especially for the 5K finish and handing out all those medals when there were so many people finishing. And it was great uh, for me to see a friendly face as I was dodging to that finish line with the uh, look of pain and terror in my face that coach cat probably got scared by. And I was so exhausted. I said, I can't even get my medal. Now I'll be back. I know you, you can give me my medal after I go for my uh, jog and, and feel like I can actually talk to you. Uh, so I was able to get my medal around my neck by coach cat. So that was special for me. Um, cause she is just such an amazing person on our healthy runner coaching team. So thank you for your service, uh, coach cat. And, um, Thank you for those who are um, jumping on the Facebook Live. I appreciate you guys. But guys, let's get into this. This is going to be, I'm going to try to go rapid fire. Seriously, I got like questions. I didn't even get a chance to think about the questions. So this is almost going to be like a rapid fire Dwayne episode where I'm going to literally read the question to you at the first time I'm, I'm looking at it because we did get a lot of different sources, uh, whether it was in our Healthy Runner Facebook group, um, responded to my post in, uh, on Instagram or Facebook, and then email that I sent out. So I just literally copy pasted through them on this Word doc, and we're just gonna go for it, okay? So Kristen, first question. Kristen um, from our uh, coaching community, she asked, how do you know you're ready to attempt a marathon? I've heard you shouldn't just run a marathon because it's the next longest distance. So what are some good reasons to run a marathon? Such a good question, Kristen. I loved it so much. I felt it was a great opener to this episode. And um, how do you know you're ready to attempt the marathon? I think the real answer is you have to be ready for it and you shouldn't just do it because your friends are doing it, because you accomplished a half marathon and what's next? A marathon. The whole what's next, you know, this is very common um, for those that do a 5K. You might do one or two, and then it's like you can jump up pretty quick to a 10K. You might do one or two, you could jump up pretty quick to a 10 miler. You might do one, you probably never even did a 10 miler. Uh, it's not a common race uh, that you see out there, but you jump up to a half marathon. The the jump from half marathon to marathon, I feel like is 20 times that of the jump from any of those other previous distances. And I really respect that. And I am a firm believer 
coming from a running physical therapist background, as well as a coach, that you need to respect that jump. And you need to make sure that your body is ready for it. So I am not a big proponent, like, yes, I am an optimist, guys, but I'm also a realist, right? And I, I, I never want to tell someone like, hey, you can't do something that you put your mind to. Like, I am a firm believer, like, hey, we can accomplish anything. Like, heck, I got through like PhD school for someone who like hates to read, right? I actually got a PhD. Did I think I could do that in six years, you know, while working two jobs, having two kids? No, like that was extremely hard. So then the next hardest thing I decided to finally do was the marathon. But, but the big but there is um, I was running for six years consistently leading up to that. So I, I think your question is so good, Kristen. And I really want those that are listening to this to respect the marathon. The marathon deserves some serious respect. And it is the most, you know, running has become a popular craze um, these past two decades. Like, you know, really since the millennium, let's say, like the numbers and the participants in road races has dramatically increased. Um, so, you know, besides the whole COVID stuff that races numbers went down before COVID, like it's become extremely popular and people, you know, really want to run the New York City Marathon. They really want to run Chicago Marathon, right? They really want to run Disney. So don't get caught up in how popular they are and FOMO and feeling like all these other people are running marathons. So you need to, you need to really make sure that you are ready for it not only mentally, and you've set that goal, but physically, have you been healthy consistently? Are you doing all the things that we preach on this podcast? Meaning, are you consistently running? Are you strength training in order to run? And are you doing that in a healthy way? So I think you need to really consider all those variables as well as being successful in a couple of half marathons. It is pretty rare that I'll ever recommend someone to run one half marathon, then go up to the marathon, like run a half marathon. It's always a good goal to like finish it. Right. And that's your goal. Second one. Okay. Let's run it faster. Right. And then do we have more things we want to accomplish with the half marathon? Do we want to add in speed work now? Do we want to add in more mileage? And then Really, once you're at that point, and for me, it really took a while, guys, I think I've done, I can't even count right now. It's probably like, I don't know, 20 half marathons in between my two marathons. But I felt like I finally got to a point last June when I made my announcement after the Yukon half marathon that like, hey, I've run now so many half marathons in a row. I'm starting to get better times now, like getting closer to my PRs that I had over seven years ago. And, you know, I'm kind of really done like with these half marathon training cycles, like they're kind of wearing on me. So I needed that next challenge and I felt like I was ready for it. Like I was healthy for a consistent two years, like literally without an injury and I was getting faster and doing harder training. So I know that's a long-winded answer to your question, Kristen, um, but I, it's so important. So I just wanted to open with that and stress that you need to be ready for the challenge. You need to respect the challenge and you need to be ready physically, mentally, and health-wise. All right, next question. 
Holly, um, also from our program who works with Coach Lou. Um, her question is, should you strength train more or differently when training for marathon versus other shorter distances? Great question, Holly, and very common question. So for you, someone like yourself, who has been strength training consistently now uh, for over a year, and you've done multiple half marathons, really making that jump up to the marathon, your strength training really doesn't change initially. And Coach Lou actually talked about this in his episode, if you listen to it, uh, the advanced marathon training episode that we just had a couple of weeks ago. Um, it really is toward the end of your training that you need to respect when you peak in your training. So for example, guys, the last three weeks of my training, as I've peaked, and I've mentioned this on the podcast, I've done like two 16 milers, two 18 milers, you know, one easy pace. The other one was with spice, meaning it had marathon pace, you know, miles in there or tempo miles in there. Those are really hard, really demanding on the body. I've decreased my strength training to the last couple of weeks have been once a week and I have not lifted heavy. So I really stopped doing my heavy squats, heavy deadlifts that we've talked about in the past, um, about halfway through. So about halfway through my kind of 16 week, uh, training cycle. So that's when I stopped doing heavy lifting. I went down to two times a week and done many of the body weight exercises, Holly, that you have in our healthy runner strength program, uh, that you've been working on and really honing in on my run specific muscles, not forgetting the small guys. So I'm doubling down on my glute need muscle, my deep hip external rotators, my Achilles like endurance, my Achilles strength. I'm not forgetting about that because I don't want to get some Achilles pain and tendonitis as I go down the home stretch here. So your strength training really doesn't look different. If you've been consistent all along, like you have Holly until the end, because we need to respect when you peak in this training, that is that next level that I mentioned. So you have to decrease the intensity of those workouts and do familiar strength exercises that your body has been doing for years or months, right? It's accustomed to that. And then making sure you're not forgetting about the little guys. And then really when you get into taper time and the week before the race, two weeks before the race, you can cut out all strength because the recovery is even more important for you. And you're not going to get stronger heading into your race. All right. So next question we have is from Ray, who is also working with uh, Coach Latoya in our program. Um, she says that I know that marathon training is a huge time commitment. She's huge in like all caps, um, but you're a busier guy than most people. Um, I don't know if that's true. Like everyone's busy nowadays, I feel like, right? I find even training for a half marathon to be overwhelming at times. Any time management tips for those of us struggling to get it all done? Um, so great question, Ray. And yeah, it is a huge time commitment. And this is something that I think will come out in someone else's question um, that they asked regarding my training. I guess it really all depends upon what is, what are you doing prior to marathon training? So for Ray right now, you're training for the Hartford half marathon, right? Um, so you're spending a lot of time commitment. The only difference, you know, from what you're doing now is really just increasing your mileage a little bit than what you're doing now. And it's really the long runs that are going to take that big time commitment that you speak of. Um, you have to respect, you know, being prepared for the long run, 
fueling for the long run, getting up earlier, doing the long run, and then recovering after that long run. So that is the biggest time commitment um, that I've definitely personally noticed um, the difference between this and half marathon training. But that being said, you have to just prioritize, like, what do you need now? Like you have to get on the long runs. You have to prioritize that. You have to make sure you get weekly miles in. So if you are doing more advanced training and you're doing speed work, like we talked about in the episode with coach Lou, then, you know, you're going to have to prioritize those quality days. So there are definitely days in my schedule that I've shifted my easy runs, modified easy runs, because they're not going to be the huge game changer for me, right? It's really going to be those long runs. It's going to be my weekly volume. And then those quality runs. So whether it is a tempo run, whether it is intervals that I'm doing for that week. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Uh, but it is really like prioritizing your time and not wasting time on things that don't make a huge difference. So, you know, one thing, for example, that many runners, I guess a common, you know, um, misconception is like they need to like stretch a lot. Like I would definitely not prioritize stretching after your runs. I would prioritize strength training before I did that. I would prioritize mobility and warming up my tissues prior to the end of the run stretching. Like if I'm being honest with you guys, uh, cause you mentioned time's a factor, Ray, it is a factor in my life. Um, I probably statically stretch after a run, maybe twice a week, three times a week, if I'm lucky, uh, for like 10 minutes. Like that's all I do for static stretching. Um, but every day I'm on my foam roller before my runs to warm my tissues up, feel loose. I'm loosening up my hips, loosening up my lower back, doing my mobility every single day. So hopefully that uh, provides some help. And obviously if you have questions on how to prioritize your time, you know, to reach out to coach Latoya, right? Uh, that's what we do in our program is, you know, really make you focus or, or guide you really in focusing, what do you need to focus on and get that clarity? So great, great question. Uh, next question comes from Diane R who sent, um, an email. Um, so she says, hi, Dwayne, here's a question. What weekly mileage is required for marathon training? How do you avoid burnout from doing so much mileage? Um, so easy question, easy answer for you, Diane is really cycle your training. Um, that prevents burnout you have to think cycling your training throughout your calendar year. And I did a whole episode on that episode 50 on the podcast um, is training cycles um, for running. And what I will do is any references that I drop, I'm going to be such a good sport for my uh, healthy runner live community, because there's some new guys that are probably here and never have heard these previous episodes, but I did a whole deep dive on how to cycle your training um, to answer your question, as far as miles go, weekly mileage, it's definitely going to depend. I'm going to be saying that a lot tonight, by the way. Um, if you're a beginner runner and you're running your first marathon, I would say anywhere from 18 to 25 miles is enough for a beginner marathoner to do it healthy and not get an overuse injury. Um, for more, and then, you know, there's a spectrum, obviously, if you're more advanced and let's say you're going for a BQ, you're trying to qualify for Boston. Um, you know, you're probably in that mid three hour range or below, then you're at 40 plus miles per week. 
Um, and then there are many clients in our, you know, coaching program who have run Boston, who are looking to, you know, get more BQs, get PRs, and they're like 320 sub times and or sub three times, you know, they're doing 50 plus miles per week. So there's definitely a spectrum. And you have to think about where are you? Are you more beginner? Or are you more advanced? And again, if you put yourself in that advanced category, you've been doing consistent speed work for years, and you've been staying healthy. So those are kind of two criteria that I look at when I look at weekly miles. And just to give you a personal example, um, I shared with you guys in my half marathon training reflection from June episode that that was the most weekly mileage that I've ever done consistently where I did multiple weeks where I was above 40. And I think I peaked at 43, I want to say. Um, I'm terrible with numbers. Uh, I think I peaked at 43. I maybe ran a week of 42. I was like at 38, a bunch of weeks. So that was like my highest volume. And I was actually talking to Coach Lou about this yesterday after the race. And just looking at this marathon training cycle, we haven't even peaked at 40 yet. Um, so we're hitting that for next week when I do my 20 miler, but because of the variables that we've increased the rigor in those long runs with spice and speed work, we've, we've prioritized that over weekly mileage. So again, there are many variables at play, um, that you need to consider versus like just one number and saying weekly mileage. So think about that. And if you're not doing speed work, then yes, it is a pretty, you know, safe bet to say, Hey, if I've done one or two marathons and I was in the low twenties and I'm looking to improve my performance at my third or fourth marathon, then I'm going to build up my foundation before I really start marathon training. I'm doing my air quotes here for those listening on the podcast, then you want to actually build up that weekly mileage and that will make a huge improvement for you. But again, if you're like adding in speed work that you've never done before, then you can't add in all of that speed work as well as build the weekly volume as well. So Diane, hopefully that answers your question. Thank you so much for responding to the email call to action. Um, Dan, the man from our coaching uh, program, who's working with coach cat uh, says greetings from Edinburgh, Scotland today. That is amazing. And I can't believe you're over there during this time period after the Queen's passing. So I'm sure that you did not plan that um, when you planned your trip, um, but hopefully you're enjoying your time over there. So Dan asked for someone who has yet to start training for a marathon, what is the best way to prep in the off season to be ready for marathon training in the spring? So for example, should I just try to increase my weekly mileage slowly? Should all the runs be easy runs versus mixing in some workouts? How many days per week should we be doing running specific strength training and any other tips to help prepare? Okay, Dan. Yeah. So great, great questions um, that you pose here. Um, the big reference that I'm going to really drop for you, and I'm not sure if you've listened to this one yet. I know you've been listening to the podcast for a while but it was actually the first episode of 2022 that I did, which was episode 105, um, What is Base Training in Running? It was an in-depth deep dive uh, to answering your specific question on what do you do? <laughs> like, what are you gonna do during this winter after your half um, that you are running and heading into next spring? Like, I 
seriously break that down in depth. Um, so to kind of quickly answer your question is if you are doing speed work right now, which I believe you are, um, then you are going to keep a little bit of that, but it's not intense speed work during that base training phase. So usually we will definitely keep some strides in there as well as some tempo miles um, during that base training phase. But yes, you're right in that you want to think about increasing your weekly volume and your mileage. That should be the main focus for you heading into next spring. All right. But definitely check out the base training episode. Um, you will find that extremely helpful. And obviously you got like, you know, coach cat in your you know back pocket there. So she will be able to provide some definitely more in-depth guidance um, for you. So Bo also has a question. Um, he's also in our program working with Coach Lou. And he had some great questions that I really wanted to address um, because they were amazing. So Bo, how important is speed work training in preparing for a marathon? So Bo, for someone like you, who is a faster runner, um, who has been doing some speed work, definitely is important, right? So this really speaks to kind of our advanced marathon training episode that we did with Coach Lou. And for those that, let's say, um, literally just started listening to the podcast this week, um, first off, welcome. Thank you for listening. Glad you found this episode. Um, but that episode that I'm talking about is 139, in which we covered advanced marathon training with Coach Lou. And, you know, I really would refer you back to that because we talk about the benefits of running faster, adding in speed work, leading up to marathon training for a beginner marathoner, just to reiterate, you would not focus on that. You'd be focused on what we covered in our beginner marathon uh, episode with coach Latoya. So then Bo also asked um, how much plyo versus heavy lifting in the last phase of training, like the last four to six weeks prior to taper. So I, I think I pretty much just answered this actually in the last one, uh, Bo, is those, both of those plyometrics and heavy lifting in the last four to six weeks really um, come out of the, the program. So you want to do lighter strengthening, more body weight stuff, focusing on more of those run specific muscles versus this is not time for plyos whatsoever. So plyos in the earlier phase, and some people, depending on how long you've been doing plyos, well, you know, you don't need to do plyos all year round. So really how I, I think about cycling this in training cycles is my off season base training mode. It's like, boom, three months of progressive plyometric training and I'm progressing different exercises each month making sure they're increasing in complexity. I'm increasing in my power um, and, you know, the intensity of those exercises. And then as I get into a lot of speed specific work with my, you know, race training, that is coming down and my plyos turn into like easier plyos, more to just maintain some spring. They're almost more serving as drills so some people are used to hearing that as like running drills and just maintaining the spring and pop we have off the ground that our muscles are able to recoil quickly off the ground and they're bouncing back up. So it's kind of tendon health is my rationale, as well as just maintaining from like a motor control standpoint, coordination standpoint, just maintaining that spring in those muscles. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. And the same thing with heavy lifting, you're not going to lift heavy all year round. So 
this would not be the time uh, right before you're going into taper time and definitely not during taper time. So then how do these answers change for masters athletes versus younger athletes? Oh, awesome. I'm so glad that you brought that up because definitely for the masters athlete. So masters, again, I, I always find this term very comical because it's like, oh, if you're over 40 years old, you're a master athlete. You're like, what are you a master at? Like, you know, age, wisdom. Um, but it makes us sound special, I guess, um, versus just saying you're an older athlete, uh, or I like to say middle-aged, right? So anyone 40s, 50s, 60s, you guys are middle-aged, let's be honest. Um, the quality of our tissues are not as good. So unfortunately, our tendons specifically, and you know, I'm talking to you, proximal hamstring tendon. I'm talking to you, Achilles tendon. I'm talking to you, posterior tibial tendon. Those are like the three common culprits, um, you know, running injury wise that we see a lot. They're not as healthy, pliable than when we're younger. So the things you can get away with when you're younger um, are not the same things that you can get away with as a masters, there's those air quotes again, uh, runners that we are, most of us that are listening to this um, episode. So you have to be particular with what you're doing to avoid those injuries. So it's even more important um, during, you know, the, the 40s, 50s and 60 year old marathon runner that we're not overloading tissues too much and doing plyos, heavy lifting and peaking in our marathon training all at the same time. All right. So next question, um, Lang from our, uh, spark healthy runner email list asked the question, why people hit the wall at 30 kilometers. And I'm going to extrapolate that to us that, you know, do miles. I know 30 kilometers is almost 19 miles, but I think most people probably refer to it as like the 20 mile wall. So why do we hit the wall? Uh, there's many reasons. Um, there could be training uh, errors, reasons, but honestly, most it's because fueling, hydration and or electrolytes. That's the most common. You like just run out of energy. Like you do not have enough fuel on board. That was, you know, the reason I hit the wall in my first marathon that I've talked about tremendously and cramped every muscle in my lower extremities on both sides um, because I was certainly not fueled enough. I certainly went out too fast and I certainly didn't know anything about salt tabs and or replacing, you know, electrolytes properly um, before then. So yeah, that's why most people hit the wall. And then obviously if you're not like trained properly, meaning you haven't consistently ran you haven't gotten those long runs done. Um, you know, that's the reason. And then, you know, also another question that was asked um, by Lang is, is the marathon a healthy sport physically or mentally? So such great questions. Um, honestly, all these questions that I got were like fire. And this is such a good question because is the marathon healthy? It like we can literally have a panel debate, I'm sure, with a bunch of experts up here to debate whether or not it is healthy physically and mentally. So let's go physically first. And I do have some of my colleagues who've done research in this area and have shown the physical, um, I'm going to use this loosely, I'm going to say damage that occurs from a marathon race 
to your musculoskeletal system, your muscles, as well as the kidneys. Um, so there has been research that has shown that we are actually doing some damage to those areas. Um, we don't know exactly how long it takes to recover, but that's why I want you to really respect the recovery process after a marathon because your body needs to heal properly. So there is some damage that's done. You know, do we know if there's long-term damage? Um, we don't exactly know, but I think it's something for us to keep in mind in terms of overtraining. Um, and then physically, I would say someone who is a consistent runner, the physical benefits that you get, even if you're doing the marathon are far greater than not. So I guess if you're an inconsistent marathon runner, I would say it's probably not great, healthy sport physically, because you're inconsistent. If you do it the right way, and you've listened to all the episodes on the podcast, then you're going to be a consistent runner. You're going to be implementing the strategies that we talk about. So you're going to do it in a healthy way. And that's the whole point of this healthy runner podcast, right? Um, so I think that's one thing. And, you know, just don't take it at face value of someone who's not running marathons or knows really much about health and stuff and say, marathons are unhealthy for you. Like, that's crazy. You shouldn't run 26.2 miles. Why should you run four or five hours, six hours, right? Like, that's nuts. Like, so bad for your body. Like, you know, take, take the source um, for what it's worth. And then mentally, I think mentally, it can be great for some. And then for some, it, it could not be great mentally. And we talked about that in a previous episode with Elizabeth Clore, who shared her story and her book, Boston Bound, um, how some people can, it can affect them negatively from a mental standpoint, meaning that's what they, you know, revolve their lives around. They become super focused and, or they become too disappointed um, from not hitting specific goals, right? And if you want to get like a Boston qualifying time and it's now like, you know, overruled your whole life and it's affecting your personal relationships, it's affecting, right? How you feel about yourself, your self-worth. So then yes, mentally that would not be good, but for a lot of people, they gain a lot of confidence and it actually improves their confidence in other areas of their life, whether it's work, um, family life, right? All of those things running consistently can do that. And marathoning or training for a marathon can provide that for you. And then how to avoid injury while running a marathon. I'm going to give you a two quick things. There is strength train um, and specifically do running specific strength exercises and then train properly. So we have episodes on that. Like I mentioned, we have our beginner um, marathon training episode with coach Latoya. So I would highly um, point you in that direction uh, to check that one out. So thank you for submitting your question. Uh, Kathleen from our healthy runner community asked how approximately how long is a typical marathon training program in weeks or months? And, um, okay. So let me answer that one first, Kathleen. Thank you for your question, by the way. And typically you're going to see most plans range from 16 to 24 weeks. It really depends again. Of course it depends, right? And it depends what you're doing before that. So we have many of our athletes that maybe came off of consistent base training, consistent half marathon training, maybe a 12 week half marathon training cycle that are stretched out, so to speak, in their long runs. And they recover from that half marathon. And because they've run some 12 milers, they've run the half marathon. 
they can jump into marathon training and even do a condensed 12 week version. But in general, 16 weeks is usually the minimum. You know, the longer, the better, really, especially if you're working with a coach and getting some guidance on it and you're really building up, then, you know, think of 20, 24 weeks is going to be a safer option for you. What it really um, is going to matter too is how long can you be focused on training? I know some people get burnt out and or it feels like too long that they're marathon training. Um, but again, I want you to reframe marathon training as being different from what you normally do. And that was the big thing for me during this training cycle is that, hey, it's not a whole lot different than what I've been doing for years now because I've been consistently running, consistently strength training, consistently recovering. So I want you guys to think about that as you're listening to this episode is, you know, kind of reframing how we look at marathon training. And then Kathleen also asked any recommendations for marathons that have longer course times or for more accommodating to slower runners. So great question, Kathleen. And I actually, uh, this was one question that I actually looked up. Uh, this is the only question I actually looked up because yours was the first question I saw. And then I realized I didn't have time to look up all the questions that I didn't know. Um, but according to marathonguide.com, um, see, I'm citing my sources here, that the largest number of walkers at marathons, um, the top marathons that, have, that are walker friendly and have actually a large number of walkers actually in the Honolulu marathon, they have 7,000 walkers. And then also the LA marathon has 4,000 walkers. So, right. So walking the marathon, you can do that and you can go to those marathons, but then there's looking at course times for marathons, right? Like what's the cutoff. So those marathons that are friendly um, for keeping races longer and extend over an eight hour time period. So definitely right, this is gonna fit into if you are a quote unquote slower runner, I'm gonna say. Um, so there is the um, Honolulu Marathons on that list, the Green Bay Marathon in Wisconsin. So if you're a Packers fan, um, you can go there. Maui Marathon, like who doesn't like Hawaii, man? They're like just calling us to go to Hawaii to run a marathon. Um, What's an hour? Anchorage, Alaska. Hey, uh, Brooke out there in Alaska, the mayor's uh, midnight sun marathon is also friendly. Another one in Hawaii. Oh my goodness. The Kona marathon. And then the uh, New York city marathon is actually on this list. So Kathleen, very close to us, Connecticut, New York city marathon, maybe one day. And then also the San Diego marathon made that list. So those are a couple that would give you some ideas on those that are friendly for a longer course time. Today's episode is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN Nutrition is powered by Superstarch and delivers that steady, long-lasting energy without the spike and then the crash. I had to take a moment out of this episode to share with you how the healthy runner snacks during the day, that being me. I don't know if you're like me, but I will never pass on a good snack, and that is why I wanted to share with you some innovative food products that help you fuel smarter and curb cravings anytime while maintaining blood sugar and boosting energy. 
Ucan's healthy snacks are enhanced with super starch and crafted with healthy ingredients. This has been a game changer to curb those cravings between meals for me and my clients. I absolutely love the almond butter and it pairs so well with some honey wheat pretzel sticks, apple slices, or medjool dates. Their granola is absolutely phenomenal. The only thing you will need to do is set some portion control because it tastes so good you'll want to keep going back in the bag for more. Since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, as always, you will get 20% off all of your orders at youcan.co. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order. Go ahead and give this healthy snack a try. And believe me, you will thank me after when you feel better about your snacking habit. All right, let's get to the next question. Amanda Kay, um, who submitted this question via the actual Spark Healthy Runner Instagram uh, story that I posted. So I love that you um, replied to my question that I posted in stories uh, over the weekend. Uh, she says, hey, Dwayne, uh, thanks so much for all the excellent content. I'm training for my first marathon, and I'm really appreciated by all the knowledge and advice. Here's my question. Despite hearing over and over from you and other coaches that strength is imperative, with capital letters. Yes, it is. Um, I'm really slacked on strength training this summer. So now that my weekly mileage is climbing, I'm starting to see the effects. I'm having achy hips and a whining hamstring. However, no injury yet. So that is a good thing, but we need to listen to your body, right? My marathon is in mid-November. Is it too late to add in new strength routine? If so, how do I do that when I'm already exhausted by all of these miles? Excellent question, Amanda. So first off, no judgment zone. You are not alone by any means. I'm sure there are going to be many runners who are in the exact same situation as you. So my answer to you is number one, we live and learn, right? So now, you know, the next time you are going to actually prioritize strength training, like we've talked about many times, um, but the answer to your question is, no, we are way too late in the game right now. And especially based upon what you reported, that you are start, starting to have some achy hips. Your hamstring is starting to feel a little whiny. Um, so first, real quick tips for those things, achy uh, hips. Are you doing hip mobility, right? Some simple hip circles that you can add into your uh, weekly routine. Um, there's some, uh, great hip stretches that we give all of our clients and like hip mobility drills before you run that will activate your glutes, which will be protective. Doesn't take a lot of time. Um, I don't have the link offhand right now, but if you send me a DM in Instagram, I will literally shoot you the link to that video, um, on how to loosen up your hips before your runs. And then also hamstring wise, like make sure you're foam rolling that hamstring and then make sure you're doing some type of hamstring specific strengthening. Um, so a couple of my favorites are a single leg bridge with a slow lowering. That's very protective for the hamstring. If you're not doing like literally zero strength right now, I would only give you that. If you're doing some strength, you're kind of familiar. Um, I would go, my next one would be my triple threat exercise for the hamstring muscles, which is more lower impact. It's not standing, it's using the physio ball. Um, that would be my recommendation there. But the, the one thing that I want you to do is to not add in a full strength program. Like we have our healthy runner strength program or like that our clients go through in our coaching program, 
but is to add in five simple exercises you can do before you run that are going to really target your running specific hip muscles, which remember are the protective muscles we have as runners. So that I created a, I think it's a pretty good, you know, it's, it, it's definitely right now, guys, it is my um, most proud accomplishment uh, from an exercise video standpoint. Um, so this was released a couple months ago. I don't know if you saw it, but if you go into YouTube and just search five simple mini band exercises, go to Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, you will see it. Um, I'm sure I've pinned it to like the must-see playlist or like our best content playlist. Um, but if you just Google search five simple mini band exercises for running, it will definitely come up. Um, or I can shoot you the link if you send me a DM in Instagram as well. I would do that. Don't do a full strength program. Just do those exercises twice a week. That is going to be helpful for you at this juncture. And it's not going to overload your tissues too much, but it's going to give you those little guys that you need during this part of the training. So hopefully that's helpful for you. All right, next question. Sarah Willardy, what's going on? How are you? So great to see you yesterday in person at the race. Um, Sarah is one of our local uh, running friends here in Connecticut. Um, she's a very accomplished runner, um, run many Boston marathons. And uh, she has a question for me personally. So her question is, what has been the most challenging thing for you this training cycle? And what has been the most fun? Ooh, I like this. Um, okay, so what has been the most challenging thing for you this training cycle? Definitely, I would say, well, definitely the most challenging thing, honestly, was those long runs with spice. So the 60 miler that I did with, um, you know, it was three sets of marathon pace, three miles, um, repeated that three times at marathon pace with an easy mile in between for the 16 miler. And then the 18 miler was eight easy, eight at marathon pace, one at tempo pace, and then one easy. That by far was the hardest thing by far. Otherwise, honestly, everything else because of what I mentioned before, I'm actually really surprised. It's not that much harder than what I was already doing for, I guess you would call it advanced half marathon training. Um, so hopefully that provides some hope for those who have been like working at the half marathon for a while and you've been doing speed work. It's not that much of a huge jump. If you've been kind of where I was, it really is isn't. And I'm actually surprised that, that it hasn't been as challenging as I thought it was, or that it was the first time I did it five years ago, because I wasn't training properly as I've learned over these 140 episodes on the podcast and all the experts that we've had on the show. Um, and then, you know, just learning more about running. Like I'm a student in the game, right? I'm a lifelong learner. So I'm learning each and every week, just like all of you are. Um, and what has been the most fun? I would say the most fun has been the speed work stuff um, for me. And just these long runs with spice, definitely. They were the most challenging. Now they're the most fun. I guess the most fun just from a, like a, a challenge standpoint, um, I would say that's been the most fun. And I guess it's been fun that it hasn't been hard and I don't feel like my body's breaking down. Right. So like, that's fun for me to be like, whoa, this isn't, 
you know, if you do it right, like the strategies we talk about, you know, this isn't, doesn't have to be like, Hey, you're driving your body into the ground and, you know, you're like dragging into taper time and you're just like, you know, crossing your fingers. Hey, I'm going to get to that start line and feel everything is going to go well on race day. Um, so I would say that's been the most fun. Like, obviously, yeah, fueling is fun. I guess that's, that's fun, right. To like fuel properly and figure it out. Like that's been fun. Cause I feel like I've really nailed that down. Um, and then Sarah also has another question for first time marathoners. How do you approach figuring out marathon goal pace? Yes. First marathon should be run with the goal of finishing. I agree, but most folks aren't going to start out walking. So they need some kind of guidance about how fast to run. Yeah. So Sarah, you know, my thought process with this, and I know, you know, you're running coach as well. And, um, you know, it is really to go on the RPE scale and effort and really dialing in with our runners who are first time marathoners of making sure that their training runs that they're doing are in that easy zone and they feel like it's a five. So we're checking in. And so depending upon the runner, of course, and their abilities, if it's a 10 minute pace, 11 minute pace, 12 minute pace for their easy runs, and they're reporting to us in final surge, this is a moderate effort, easy effort, and I'm seeing fours, five, sixes, and how they rate their runs, then I know that, hey, this is their pace that they're doing for their easy run. So then we'll make that, you know, estimate at around when we get to race pace strategy, you know, what should they plan on for their races? Like, what would we, based upon their current running fitness, not their goal time by any means, their current running fitness, you know, predict what do we think they'll do in the marathon? Then I would even say for first time marathoners, we're conservative on that versus the pace calculators. They will tend to be like true to pace. So you always have to adjust if it's a first, even second, like even for my training paces, coach Lou and I were talking about this yesterday, um, that my marathon pace is actually going to be less than what the calculators say. And that I've been doing all my training runs at because it is only the second time I'm actually doing that distance. So to avoid someone from feeling like they failed and they didn't hit their, what the calculator says pace. Um, you know, we really want to set runners up for first timers for confidence and wins and feeling strong at the end and not feeling like they're limping to the finish line, right. Or dragging their bodies across the finish line. So we do go with a more conservative estimate on your pace calculators at that point, but it is a matter of seeing like, Hey, how did you feel on these runs? What was your RPE? Okay. This is your easy pace. Let's calculate what that would translate into marathon time. And then let's be even more conservative of that when we develop your race pace strategy. So great question. Thanks for asking. Um, so next question we have is from Christy. Uh, Christy was a friend of the show. She's been on the podcast before. Um, she actually shared her episode. If you guys remember, just because uh, Christy, I continue to seriously get feedback on your episode that people listen to it and were inspired by your story on how you did run your first marathon, um, even though you had this bum knee and you've been told by others that you had a meniscal tear and orthopedics to not run and you really were kind of lost, right? And you didn't think you could ever run a marathon. And we kind of shared your story on the podcast. Um, but 
Christy says, so excited for you. I'll be sharing from you from Florida. Um, many of our previous episodes have such great info. So thank you very much. I'm glad they've been helpful for you. Um, she'll be listening as she tapers very soon. She's three weeks away from her second marathon. Yes, let's go, Christy. But can you give your advice about how to best spend our taper time? Also, I love to know what your mantras are when the pain cave sets in. Okay, yes, this is um, very front of mind, considering I was using these mantras yesterday at the time of this recording during that half marathon that I mentioned earlier. Um, so let's do the easy one first. Um, taper time. First off, if you haven't listened to it yet, Christy, definitely tune in to episode 91. Um, in which Coach Latoya shared, you know, why do we taper and how to taper? I believe you most likely, I gave you that episode last year when you were training for your first marathon, but just in case someone else did not get that um, and um, needs to listen to that, definitely check out our What is Tapering episode and how best to spend time. Like Christy, think about all of the amazing things that you would love to do that you never have time for. So whether or not that is doubling down on recovery and doing more foam rolling, doing more mobility, doing more meditation, doing more self-care. We just had an episode on self-care um, that was absolutely amazing. So I've been doubling down on all of those tips in episode 140 on self-care tips for runners. That's definitely what I uh, plan on spending my time during taper time, as well as all the other fun projects that I have for the business that are on my to-do list that I have sitting right on my whiteboard right there. I will be spending doing those and getting those done. Um, but think about those things that, you know, in your life that you're just like, I wish I had more time to do fill in the blank, right? You're going to have a little more time during taper time. So don't worry about not running as much. Worry about recovering and worry about, hey, this is a time where I could get other things done in my life that I never have time for. So I'm actually like really looking forward to taper time because like I said, there's a lot on that to-do list over there. Um, but let's get into mantras because this has been something that I, as I mentioned earlier, was the hardest part of my race, those last three miles. And I even went into this prepared meaning I've done research on episodes of mantras. We've done a mental mindset um, tips that I always listen to before every race. Um, so just to give you guys reference for that, um, that I give all of my clients before their races. Episode uh, 76, we talked about how to push the mental limits during your race with Paul DeVilio. Um, He shared some great tips in that episode. So I would refer you to that episode. Um, but then also I've been trying to find any and all content related to mental tips, um, because I'm just trying to soak it up like a sponge. Like I mentioned, I'm trying to improve upon that area myself. Um, but one episode that I found was, um, really, really helpful was one that I came across that really talked about thinking about two different types of mantras. And I haven't really heard this before. Um, so kind of bear with me here, talking about rhythm mantras that get us into that rhythm in the beginning of a race or the mid portion of the race. So this is early in the race. As I mentioned, my first three miles of the half marathon plan for the marathon, really the first six miles 
or four to six, depending upon your plan that your coach sets up for you, you need to get in control. You really need to get your breathing down and, and think to yourself, what is going to get you in that happy place? So for me, and this was something, um, this was actually Chris um, McClung on the Running Rogue podcast. It was actually episode 150, uh, where he had mental tips and tricks for race day. Um, so shout out to Chris. Uh, maybe we'll have to get him on the show on the Healthy Runner podcast and share some of these tips with us because I'm sure he probably has some updates, but he really talks about, you know, this rhythm mantra. So kind of smiling and, you know, for me in the half marathon, it was smile and breathe, smile and breathe. The more I smiled, the happier I got, the more I said, breathe. I made sure I was using my diaphragm. I was not upper chest breathing, right? So I'm getting in control of my heart rate early in the race and I'm focusing on my form. And I'm thinking about, you know, my head's up, my chest is out to really bring my, my, you know, upper traps aren't like up here in, uh, on my ears. So my neck is relaxed, but I'm sticking my chest out, kind of working on my posture. I'm thinking about my arm swing being relaxed. I'm thinking about keeping in the sagittal plane. I'm not elbows out like a chicken, right? My, my grip, my hands is not all tight. I'm thinking about, you know, not too loose and floppy. But I'm thinking about like, talk about like holding a potato chip without like crunching it, right? My, my fingers are together. I'm just getting in a rhythm. So those are those rhythm mantras. So for me, it was like smile and breathe, Dwayne, smile and breathe, like be smooth. Chris talked about that in his episodes. And I was like, oh, that's, that's something that kind of relates. Yeah. Smooth, just be smooth. You just want to be easy and smooth in the beginning. And then for me in the middle miles, I like to think about our new uh, kind of slogan, uh, here and, and was on our actual, um, our merch was strong mind, strong body, just keep running Dwayne. Or, you know, I wanted to keep it like just strong mind, body, keep running Dwayne. And I just put my name at the end, like just to remind myself, like that was the middle miles for me. I'm still in control. It's a little long, so it doesn't work in the end of the race. <laughs> Cause I've tried that before and your mind can't really think that many words. So I would recommend shorter, like one or two <laughs> phrase stuff at the end, but it was just kind of in the middle miles for me. My mantra is like strong mind, body, just keep running. You got a strong mind. You got a strong body, just keep running. Um, and then the other one kind of toward that transition point of middle to end when you're in like the severe pain cave. Um, it's pain is temporary pride is forever. And I got that one from Paul on the show. Um, in episode 76 was like pain is temporary pride is forever. And again, that's a little long for when you are really in the pain cave. Cause I even have a tough time remembering it. Um, when I'm in that pain cave, it is, it is hard. Um, so now when you're in the pain cave, we'll call it like the fight mantras as Chris referred to them as, and in our half marathon, you know, race strategy, that's the last three miles for our marathon race strategy. It's the last six miles. So you've gotten over 20, you're at 20, 21 miles. Now you got to fight, right? This is the end. This is when, if you have juice left, you're going to turn it on. If you've executed a good race strategy, you're properly trained heading into your race, you're healthy heading into your race. This is when you should be able to turn it on and get 
a negative split where the second half of your race is actually faster than the first, right? How do you do that? This is where the fight mantras come through. Um, one that resonated with me that Chris shared on his show was every second counts. I just kept telling myself that yesterday, every second counts, you know, every time I wanted to walk every second counts, every second counts. Um, that one resonated with me. It kind of worked pretty well because I felt like I would have walked a little more than I needed to at the end. And then the counting exercise. So just distracting your mind at the end of that race, when you're in the pain cave and just counting, um, Chris mentioned in the episode, he counts to 30. I literally couldn't get past 10 because cognitively my brain couldn't process more than that, but it was just literally focusing on something and just staring at, you know, something, whether it was someone in the distance and the road, whatever the case may be. And I was just like, get to 10 Dwayne, one, two, three, as I'm breathing hard. So it's a little tough because you're breathing hard at this point of the race and things are starting to break down and you're just, you know, trying to fight the demons and the voices in your head that's telling you to just stop running and just like, you know, go slower. Like your brain's going to tell you to do that. So how do we overcome that? Um, counting may be helpful for you. All of these mantras, though, I must tell you, you need to prepare these in advance. You, you are not going to remember what I just said on race day if you don't practice it during your training. And when do you practice it during your training is during those harder quality sessions. So if you're not doing speed work, it's going to be during your long runs. When your body is telling you to stop at 16 miles, telling you to stop at 18 miles, you know, you're doubting the 20 miler. Use these strategies that I'm talking about. And then thinking about, um, and this is what I did actually in my journaling that I've started doing from our self-care for runners episode, I've started uh, journaling each evening um, and each morning. I start my morning with journaling now and I write it down. And so before my race uh, this past weekend, I actually wrote down what are going to be my rhythm mantras, what are going to be my fight mantras, like what resonates with you. And these are the things that resonate with me, but like you need to think about what is going to resonate with you. Like what's meaningful in your life? What's a phrase that just like, you know, ignites that fire um, that's going to keep you going and running. So write those down, practice them, think about them. Like mental imagery of you being at mile 24 and now your body's, your brain is telling you to stop running, slow down. How are you going to fight through that? What are you going to use for a mantra to get you through that? So hopefully that was helpful for you. This has been a topic, obviously you can see that I've been pretty passionate about uh, myself and something that I know I need to continue to improve upon. So hopefully that's helpful for you, Christy. Thank you so much for reaching out and submitting your question. Uh, great hearing from you. And let's get to Amy's uh question here from, she responded uh, to my Facebook post. So thank you for responding, Amy. Um, always love hearing about what hitting the wall means, why it may happen and how to avoid it. Also, uh, what is working for you with proper race day marathon nutrition? Um, so kind of repeat question, I believe as far as hitting the wall, because we kind of went into that um, earlier. So check that out. But what has been working for me for proper race day marathon nutrition? It is all about everything that our registered dietitian, Brooke, talked about in our 
Marathon Nutrition podcast episode. So that was, for reference here, that was um, episode 137. And I've really embraced every single one of the principles that Brooke talked about. And the thing that's working for me is fueling, <laughs> um, is actually fueling before my runs, even my weekday runs, even my shorter runs, fueling before my short runs with strength training. So before I go to the gym and then also the long runs, you know, my go-to, and this is what you need to practice for you, for your long runs, because this does change upon everyone. And remember your long runs, are you practicing what your race day, you know, nutrition will be, but for me, it's oatmeal. It's my, you can almond butter in my oatmeal adds a little taste to it. Um, and it will give me a little bit of protein in there. Um, and then also a banana, like that's where I'll have two and a half, maybe even three hours before race time. Like that's what I did this weekend, um, or my long run, but I know it's tough for many of us to get up that early to fuel that far in advance. For me, I prefer to do a longer food fuel then, and then I do more of my drink fuel prior to my run. Um, so there are a couple of options out there. Some people use, you can, and they have a drink option. So they'll fuel with that, which basically allows you to start your race without having to fuel at mile three or four, right? Because you already have some liquid fuel in calories on board that you can take a half hour to an hour before your race. Um, so that's helpful. And then, you know, as far as your gels, there are so many out there. Um, again, you really need to decide upon what you're going to use, practice with it. Um, for me personally, you know, it's been working for me. I use UCAN Edge um, as far as fueling. And then I also alternate in some crank sports um, e-fuel. Um, so that is a different carb in there that is more of a longer acting carb, has some more electrolytes in it. Um, so I like to use kind of alternate between the two forms of getting more of like a complete profile of my carb fuel. Again, you need to practice. And, you know, that's really the nutrition strategies that have worked for me. And that's what I've used uh, for all my long runs, as well as my half marathon races, and that I will be using on my marathon race day. And yeah, I think that probably answers your question. So let's go to the next question. John Myers, what's going on? How are you? Uh, John is the race director for the Apple Harvest Road Race here locally in uh, Southington, Connecticut. And um, John asked, do you plan to count down miles in your head as you pass by mile markers? Um, do you break down the course into parts? So example, 5Ks by getting to you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 miles, et cetera? Or do you think that when you get to the mile markers like 20, you say to yourself, I got this. All I need to do is, you know, a 10K training run or 6.2 training run. Um, and he says that, you know, when he's gotten past mile 20, like a mile 21, he'll tell himself, all I need to do is the Westbrook to Clinton loop, right? So yeah, John, I, I do the same thing. Um, and when he gets to mile 23, he'll try to lock in like, which is three mile beach run. And um, yeah, I, I do the same exact thing, John, is number one, break it down to parts. I'm not a person who likes to count down the miles. 
Again, I think that is a strategy that may work for a first time marathoner, especially if, you know, it's been a big mental challenge for you as a first timer to be like, oh my goodness, I can't run 20. I definitely can't run 21 because I've never done that in training. I can't run 22. Like that might be motivation for you. For most of our clients in our program, John, our coaching clients, you know, we do like to break the, the race down in thirds. And that's kind of in our race day blueprint in terms of race strategy. So for the marathon specifically, you're approximately breaking it down. Again, it does depend upon the course. So for like Boston, for example, Coach Lou had recommended a slightly different strategy for Boston because of where the hills are um, in the miles. But I will say, generally speaking, if we don't take into account a specific um, course in mind on when it is really hard with the hills, or if it really starts like all downhill, or, um, you know, generally speaking for a marathon, you want to think like the first six miles, five to six miles is your slowest miles and, you know, kind of chunking it into three parts. So for me, I know my strategy for the marathon is going to be those first five or six miles. I'm going to be easy mode, getting my rhythm, right? Getting my breathing down in control, holding back, making sure I'm checking that I'm not going too fast because that's the biggest mistake, right? We all make those middle miles. It's going to be long. It's out there for a while. Miles approximately seven to 20. You're going to be out there for a while. Like, Hey, we're just getting in a rhythm. We're keeping it controlled. We're going at goal pace at this point of the run. And you're just thinking, Hey, I'm out here for a while. Like, let's have some good playlists going. Like, let's think about what we're going to be thinking about during all those long miles. And then as you say, uh, John, yeah, the last part, it's the race starts at mile 20, right? You've earned the right to race at that point. The race has begun. You only got a 10 K like, Hey, like I'm going to do a 10 K. And then I do the same thing as far as my landmarks go. It's like, I know exactly what's like six miles from my house. So okay, I want to be, it's like running from, you know, this point, it's pretty much the Hamden Cheshire line for me. Um, I'm going to be running from there back home. Like all you got to do is get home, Dwayne, just run home and you're running to the finish line. And then when I get to the three mile mark, it's like, there's a McDonald's on route 10. It's like, Hey, it's like running from McDonald's back home, Dwayne. Like that's super easy to do. Right. So that's kind of what I think about just like you mentioned, uh, John, but yeah, I'm not a big, countdowner of when I see the mileage, uh, signs. And even like yesterday's half marathon, I didn't think about that as I was going through. I just thought about in those three parts, like I got three different goals for my race. The first goal is stay in control that first third. Then we got the middle portion, which is going to be the longest portion and just stay in control, stay disciplined. Don't do anything too crazy. Get through it mentally. Cause it's the longest part of the race. And at the end, it's usually the hardest part. And now we got to fight, like we got to pull out every stop in the book to like fight through, you know, the pain cave at that point. Um, so great point. And for those that are um, local in Connecticut, or you want to run a really fun fall festive 5k, or maybe you need a little speed work tune up before your fall marathon, whether you're running New York, you're running Hartford, um, it is the week before Hartford. So I would say you'd be an ex advanced marathoner that you want to do a quick little 5k tune up, you know, three miles. Maybe you don't go all out race pace. Maybe you do. Maybe you go at tempo pace and you run the 5k and uh Sillington Apple Harvest Festival. We'd love to see you there. Our healthy runner team will be there. 
Um, it'd be great to meet up. So if you're looking for a really great um, 5K, five miler to do, uh, check us out October 2nd um, here in Southington, Connecticut. And you can get some really amazing post-race food. They have like one of the best post-race foods um, out there. All right. So let's get to Jess from our Healthy Runner program. Ask Jess, what's going on? Thank you so much for um, answering um, and replying, answering your, or asking your question. What's been the biggest mental shift jumping from half marathon to marathon training? Um, yeah, just, I think I kind of talked about this already, Jess, but it hasn't been too much of a mental shift, tell you the truth. I thought it would be a lot more mental shift. I did more planning in advance. I knew that my long runs would take the time I needed for them, and I blocked it on my calendar. So my calendar changed a lot. I used to see clients at certain times. Um, I used to take calls at certain times that I blocked it specifically. My girls have games on the weekends. I knew I couldn't get my long runs in on weekends. So I'm like doing them on Thursday mornings, my long runs, and I'm blocking it. So just, I think that was the biggest mental shift for me is I need to do a little bit more planning because I knew how important it was for those long runs. So that's really been the biggest mental shift. Um, but because like I mentioned earlier that I was kind of advanced half marathon training, that it hasn't been too much of a shift from like the discipline that I've had for half marathon training. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, Dave, what is going on? Uh, so my client, Dave, um, who I work with personally has a bunch of awesome questions. So I'm going to try to fly through these here, Dave. Um, so what has changed, um, in your training versus your prior marathon training? The biggest thing is consistency and really building a solid foundation, Dave. My first time around, I did not have a solid foundation. It was somewhat consistent running, but not the solid foundation I have in terms of strength, as well as solid weekly mileage consistently for months and years. So that's kind of the biggest thing. In your training, what steps are you taking to prevent that 20-mile burnout that's so common? In the training is practicing my mental strategies that we just talked about during my hard runs so I can mentally get through those last six miles. And then the fueling, nutrition, and electrolytes um, is a big key that's going to prevent me from hitting that wall, fingers crossed, right? Um how has your strength training changed to support marathon distance? If so, what has changed? The whole beginning part of training didn't change anything with my strength training. Once I got to the middle portion, eight weeks out from my race, decreased the frequency, stopped lifting heavy. And then two weeks leading into the race, I will not strength train at all, which is really weird for me to say, actually, that that was like the first time that actually ever came out of my mouth. So I know many of you are going to be surprised hearing that. Um, all right. Uh, let's go with strategies, tactics you'll be using to run this marathon. I think we actually already talked about that. So, um, okay. Have I decided on a marathon shoe? Yes, I have, Dave. We haven't talked shoes yet. Okay. I know there's a lot of options. He said uh, heel drops, plated shoes versus not plated, right? These are the carbon plate shoes um, that you've been hearing about. And yeah, so which shoe is right for you? So for me, I am using the Saucony Endorphin Pro. This is my first race. Yesterday was my first race that I actually wore the shoes. 
And previously, my last two half marathons, I had used the Hoka um, carbon plated shoes. So now I've kind of um, switched to the Endorphin Pros, which I actually like better. I feel like they are springier, but just caution for those who have some chronic ankle instability, chronic ankle sprainers, make sure you're doing some stability exercise for your ankle muscles. Cause I do feel like they are like, I haven't sprained my ankle before, but it requires more ankle strength. So I would caution you on that. The other thing I would caution is I've used these shoes in my speed work as well as my long run with spice that I mentioned earlier. So I know some people just use them for their speed work. I would highly recommend that you guys make sure whatever you're going to use on race day, you've tried on a longer run because I know in the past I've had issues with shoes, just, you know, they don't bother you for five, six, eight, ten 10 miles. But when you're out there for like three hours, right. During your peak time, then you start to feel some weird blisters going on. So I would highly recommend you try your shoe on those longer runs as well as a speed work day. Um, and yeah, I've liked them because they are a little wider toe box. So I do have a little wider forefoot. Um, so I've been very happy with them and it was happy how they felt yesterday um, during the race. And then how will you reward yourself after your slam dunk this marathon? I love the positivity, Dave. Thank you very much. I hope to like crush it, right? And uh, do a little, little reverse slam dunk on this marathon. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday because after every race, like you always got to refuel, right? You got to refuel people. And we actually went out. It was my daughter's boyfriend's actual, um, we were celebrating his birthday. So we went to Bar Taco. So that was actually a nice meal. But as we were passing the sign for Pepe's Pizza, I was like, you know what? That's where we're going. And that's where I went for my first marathon. Um, so yeah, we're going to be hitting up Pepe's pizza here in Connecticut. Um, it's one of the best pizzas, get some new Haven style pizza. So that's how I'm going to reward myself and just taking in all those carbs to replenish my glycogen stores. I depleted out there on the course. And, um, do you have any concerns running this marathon? Um, great question here. We're getting deep here. Um, no concerns except for those last six miles, as I mentioned earlier, and just knowing that that was, you know, if I had to pick apart, I'm pretty critical on myself. If I had to pick apart, like thing I can improve upon on yesterday's race, it was the last three miles. I wish I could have even fought harder um, and managed to increase my speed. So when my brain's telling me to slow down, like that's my only concern, but I feel like I'm going to execute the strategy perfectly. I feel like I'm disciplined enough to execute the proper strategy with pacing fueling nutrition, all that fun stuff. So that's my only concern. And yeah, I, I think um, those were all the questions that uh, you had asked there, Dave. So I, I appreciate, honestly, your thoughtful questions. Um, I appreciate that. I love, love seeing you crush your training and, um, you know, working up and continuing to be a lifelong learner as well as runner. Um, so let's get to the next question. Benjamin, thank you so much. You submitted a question via email. I appreciate that. Um, so he says, hi, Dwayne. Thanks so much for reaching out. Some questions uh, for marathon training. What are some strategies for fueling during your long runs that have helped you most? He's trained for a lot of half marathons, but fueling hydration during long runs is still pretty new for me. I may start out feeling great, but I'm still tightening up and cramping toward the end as I add miles to the longer run days. It's all about fuel 
hydration, and electrolytes. So then yeah, make sure you're getting those electrolytes in. That is critical if you're cramping. So a couple of things I use, you can hydrate um, for my electrolytes. So in case anyone, I mentioned you can a bunch of times here, they are one of our partners. They're an amazing company. They're actually a local story here in Connecticut. Um, they've been one of our you know, biggest supporters of the podcast since the beginning of the podcast. And we firmly believe in their products and use them. So you can hydrate um, during my long runs. And then the other thing that I would recommend is um, what they call salt sticks. So for those watching the video version, you'll see these. Um, this I've used before. Some people use these. I did not use this during my first marathon and feel like if I did supplement with salt, I wouldn't have cramped up because I had salt crystals all over my body. Um, so I knew I was sweating out too much salt. The one thing that actually has that I've shifted to during this last half marathon is base electrolyte salt. Um, Coach Whitney told me about this and I used it yesterday. It's very handy. I like it better than the salt stick uh, fast chews because those were a little hard for me to carry on a race. This comes in a little vial here and you shake it. Um, it is a little weird to take um, because, and I was a little hesitant to try it when Coach Whitney told me about it because you got to like lick your thumb during the race and then you shake the salt on your thumb and then just lick it and it actually um, is some lingual um, absorption. And then you want to try to strategize it where you do one to two licks before a water stop. Um, so you'll get some absorption through your mouth and it doesn't have all of the salt going through your GI system. Um, especially if you tried, you know, some of the other stuff and your GI system just doesn't tolerate it. Well, try this. Like I said, I used it on my last couple of long runs. I tried it in the half marathon, very happy with it. Yesterday was very humid. I did not even nearly cramp up once and just supplementing with salt in addition to electrolytes um, can be super helpful for the marathon distance specifically. And I've seen many runners kind of um, with those cramps. And so I re definitely recommend that. And um, yeah, so looking at um, early morning, long runs, pre-race plan, in addition to dynamic warm-up, what's your routine and timeline to get your body ready when you wake, eat, foam roll, warm up, etc. Okay. So I think this is really talking about, so uh, number one, Ben, I really like how you're looking at long run and race plan is the same thing because again, you're practicing it on your long run. I love it. So for me, um, my classic, uh, pre-race routine is I get up, wash my face, brush my teeth, start my tea water. So I'm boiling my tea, start making my oatmeal. Um, we'll drink uh, a nice hot cup of tea. Now that I've started journaling, I'll do a little journaling, right? Get my mindset ready as I drink my tea. Then it is usually the bathroom stop. So you want to make sure you do that bathroom stop um, before you leave your house. Um, it can be very helpful, right? To avoid having to do that in the porta potties and or stressing about it when you get to the race. So whatever it is that gets your GI system flowing, so you can go number two, it is usually a little better um, to do that at home than having to worry about having to do that on the course, right? So for me, it's like hot tea in the morning, boom, maybe eat a little food and that will kind of, you know, get you there. Um, and then from there, it's a matter of like, you know, throwing on the garb, 
making sure you got everything going. For me, you know, a big tip that I shared, um, I did a little Instagram reel uh, this weekend as I was preparing is band-aids on the nipples for the gentleman. Uh, Don't forget that, seriously. Like when you're, you know, your tank top, your t-shirt, whatever is like dripping with sweat and it's like going over your nipples and you can get chafed. So, you know, definitely using your anti-chafe cream there, or I like to just put these huge band-aids right over them to protect them. Um, Because I've seen way too many guys at races with bloody nipples. It's like the most painful thing to look at when you see like blood trickling down someone's shirt. Oh yeah. I, I can't even, it's hard for me to say that, but, um, and then I hop on my foam roller. I'm going to loosen up my muscles, stimulate my nervous system, do my mobility exercises, loosen up my lower back, loosen up my hips. And then it's a matter of hopping in the car, driving to the race, getting there early. Right. And then doing some type of dynamic warm up there, whether or not you are, if you've done multiple marathons, then go for a jog, right. To get loose, to really get your, you know, in the game and kind of, so that's kind of my, uh, morning of pre-race strategy. So next question, Susanna, what's going on? Um, So great to see you yesterday um, at Surftown. And Susanna is just crushing her training. We're so proud of her. She works closely with Coach Kat. And um, her uh, question is, been dabbling at potentially completing a full marathon in the future, maybe in two years or so. Would like to get more half marathons under my belt before committing to a full. Smart, smart move, as we talked about before and have always wondered about how much more of a training load there is. For example, how many long runs are done throughout the week and is strength training more or less? Or is this all based on fitness level? Definitely all based on fitness level. But to answer your question is you can certainly do it if you've been doing the training that you've been doing now and have been disciplined. You have been, right, with your strength training. It just, it might shift in terms of the ratio right? So as your weekly, and this can be a problem for many busy um, people who work, right? That we have this struggle of, hey, I only can do no more than like a six mile long run during the week. You're going to see some of the plans on the internet out there. It's like, they're making you do eight mile long runs, not long runs, midweek long runs during the week. You don't necessarily have to do that. If it doesn't work with your schedule, there are ways to tweak your training and your plan So it doesn't require that long midweek run. So there are ways to get around that, right? And there are ways that you can customize that. And lucky for you, you have the guidance of a coach to do that. Um, So Coach Cat, take care of all that um, for you. And we might decrease your strength training um, a little bit during a marathon training cycle. So if you're doing three days of strength, we're definitely going to have you do two days. Probably not going to have you do three days. Right. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to even decrease the frequency as you get closer to the race. And then. So, oh, great question here. So during marathon training, is it 100 percent necessary for strength sessions to be done on the same day as a long run? I keep hearing people that do full marathon training to keep hard days hard and easy days easy. All right. This is a topic I hear about a lot. And I'm going to need to take a swig of water from, I'm just going to give a little shout out right now because I actually have my glass from the 9-11 Memorial and yesterday was 9-11. So this is the survivor tree for those watching the video version. Um, Very inspirational day when I visited the Memorial um, last winter with my family. 
So in remembrance of the 21st anniversary is one of the definitely most tragic days uh, that I've ever lived through. Um, give a little remembrance and to everyone who, um, you know, all the brave people, honestly, 9-11 and, you know, everyone who responded to that day. But in kind of answering your question, uh, Susanna, I'm a big, big proponent of doing your strength days on your easier run days for beginner, intermediate, even advanced runners. So can I tell you a secret? <laughs> um, we've kind of mentioned I'm doing advanced marathon training. I do my strength days on easy run still because I cannot do a track workout and then hit the gym after that. Number one, time-wise, I can't do it. Number two, I know physically I, I just won't be able to do it. And honestly, it is just so hard to like be dripping, sopping sweat from like a hard run day that you're doing intervals or tempo, and then like have to change everything for the gym. And sometimes even my easy runs in the summertime, I wind up changing, but it, you just feel so much different after those hard run days. I can't even think about doing a workout, honestly. And I know some elites, faster runners, that's their motto. And that's what they preach. And I've listened to many shows before that you'll hear podcasters talk about that. And I think they extrapolate their fitness to like novice runners as well. I would highly not recommend that a novice marathoner do that strategy um, just because I do feel that that is way too much load in one day for the tissues. So that's my personal belief coming from a physical therapist standpoint, as well as someone who's even tried and dabbled in that a little bit. Um, and I wouldn't recommend it for first time marathoners definitely wouldn't recommend and don't worry about that strategy um, with like hard runs hard. Yes, recovery is important. And we need to make sure that those easy runs are even easier. Like that is what I'm more of a stickler on is that those easy runs are super easy pace for recovery. I think that's so much more important than you trying to link your longest midweek run with a strength session because that day's hard and your next day is easy. Like if you just run that run super easy, it's not going to feel hard with your strength session. It's just not because it's run super easy. So again, that's what makes most sense in my mind, but great question. Uh, question from Emmett. Let's go. Uh, there are probably many, uh, LOL. Um, so Emmett, um, I would say, how do you continue to stay motivated as your training levels start to peak and your brain and body are becoming more challenged? That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, so you did a great job at Surftown too. Um, so Emmett is training for New York right now. He's working with coach Whitney. Um, yeah. So you're getting to the hard part of the training, Emmett, how, you know, do you stay motivated? Like go back to your why, like go back to your why on why you're doing New York after all of these years, right? That it's been since you've run a marathon, go back to your why, think about that and go back to that during these hard training runs. And then I would say, definitely, if you are feeling really burnt out, like definitely have a conversation with coach Whitney, right? And hey, how can we modify this training a little bit so I don't feel burnt out? Like, how does this allow me to get the rest I need 
to be refreshed if you're starting to feel that right now, right? So there are ways that Coach Whitney can easily modify and make a recovery week when she wasn't originally planning on a recovery week, which is actually going to be more beneficial. And that's where I think you bring up a good point that we haven't talked about yet in this episode, Emmett, is you need to modify the plan and you need to listen to your body, right? So we all get like stuck on these structured plans and it's like, I got to hit this, this, and this. And if I hit this, this, and this, then I'm going to be successful in my race. No. Do you guys know how many times coach Lou and I have like switched around my final surge? It's like, I feel like every week because time things have shifted, how my body's felt. Have I recovered yet from that long run with spice where I'm going to move the next week's temple run a day later, right? There's all these modifications. And that's what I want you guys who are listening here to take away from my answer to Emmett here is you have to be okay with modifying things and listening to that part. And that's where a run coach can come into play. So for those of you that have a coach, that's where, like, that's what you're getting with run coaching is having that sounding board to be able to make the decisions on, because honestly, there's usually a couple critical points in training that you're going to run into when training for a marathon that if you make a certain decision, it can go one way in your training and can either make an injury worse or you go the other way, right? Where, Hey, that little hamstring issue that we talked about before from that other question can become a full-blown hamstring injury. And now you're worried about your hamstring being healthy for your race. So great question, Emmett. Thank you so much for asking it. Um, I think that was actually super helpful for many. Um, all right, let's go. Next question, Kim, what's going on? Thank you so much for submitting your question. We already talked about the mantras and mental strategies earlier. So thank you for that. And then, um, okay, this is a, we haven't talked about this yet. Kim's asking about, do you create a brand new playlist for race day? And is it beneficial? Um, something that you have not listened to prior on race day, question mark. Okay. So for me, I, I do like to have a set playlist if, um, like I've had a set half marathon playlist for a while, but yesterday I shuffled it around and added some new songs. I've been, I've been making a marathon playlist for myself that I will, uh, share with you once it's finalized. But if you guys want to see my half marathon playlist, if you, um, type into Spotify, it is literally half marathon. And then I think I put healthy runner at the end, or it might say half marathon music healthy runner and Spotify, you should see my image pop up, but that's the half marathon playlist I use. Um, I've also created a, we have our healthy runner strength playlist. If you guys want these playlists on Spotify, like just shoot me a message. I'll send you the links to them, but yes, I am a big fan for something like a marathon. I like to create a new playlist. It definitely has some songs that are like my go-tos, right? Like I, the tigers gotta always be in there, right? Like, come on, it's classic, right? It, it's, it's gotta be in your playlist. Um, but I like to add new ones that come along that I hear that are inspirational or some songs that were like inspirational to me five years ago, really don't have that impact anymore. So I've taken older songs out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my strategy for race day playlist, but I am a big day of race day playlist and I don't play my race day playlist, um, unless it is a really hard run, um, that I know, like for me, that 
tough four mile or a tempo pace. Like I was thrown on my marathon playlist that is going to get me in game mode for marathon day. Um, so Rachel from our coaching program, um, how to push through the difficult miles at the end. Yeah. So Rachel, thank you for that. I think we touched upon that. So hopefully I answered your question. Um, when we talked about the mantras and really having to push at the end, like Rachel, like heck you've dealt with adversity in your life. And I know you have think about that. Right. So for like me too, right. Like yesterday, even like I was calling on my mom, I was calling on my angel, right. Like, Hey mom, like push me through here. Right. Like I was thinking about honestly, all the people affected by nine 11, I was like, heck, like I'm out here suffering. Think about all the suffering these people went through. Right. So like for me, those things were trying to get me through as well as using the mantras, the fight mantras that I mentioned before. So think about like, what is going to be your fight mantra? What are going to be the words that resonate with your life? The things you've overcome, Rachel, um, in your personal life, right? Like think about what those things are going to be and have them ready, like have them before the race, right? So, you know, Hey, I'm going to pull this out of my, you know, tool belt and, and go to it. All right. So next um, question. So I'm going to try to, I know we're running long on time. You guys had so many great questions. I really hope this has been helpful for you. Um, let's go to Scott who sent a question via email. And he says, say you're following a marathon plan and you start hitting all of your training paces and effort levels with relative ease. Can you, or should you, and by how much, start training at faster paces to keep up with your fitness gains. All right. So Scott, this is going to really, really depend upon where you are as a marathon runner. Are you a beginner or are you in the advanced category? If you're in the beginner category, then I would not really start training at considerably high, faster paces. I would really go on the effort that I mentioned to Sarah's question earlier on RPE and how easy is it for you, as long as you're keeping it on the rating and perceived exertion at a five for those runs. If you're a beginner, let's say we're not doing speed work in your training, then yes, you can bump up those runs a little bit more in pace, but I don't want you to think about pace. You really shouldn't be thinking about pace too much when marathon training. Again, unless you're advanced marathon training, and now you're going to episode 139 with Coach Lou as opposed to episode 134 with Coach Whit, uh, Coach Latoya as a beginner. Now you're thinking about, okay, up in the ante on my speed work and adding in the strategies Coach Lou talked about, are you extending tempo runs a little longer? Are you adding in long runs with spice, as we call it, and adding in marathon pace miles? Don't think about changing your easy miles. If anything, your easy run miles actually get slower. So you're trying to actually slow those down as much as possible. Like I've never run slower for easy runs than I've run this training cycle. So we're going to see, and everyone that I've talked to is experienced. That has been the game changer for them is just running their easy runs even slower. So you can hit the hard stuff hard. So having that dichotomy in training. So hopefully that answers your question. And we already talked tapering before. So Arthi, I think that answers your question. Oh, okay. But this is asking about, is a four-week taper too long? I just he hit my peak week in marathon training and experiencing some pretty rough tendonitis flare-up in my feet. Okay. 
would you start your taper now or try to get in one final mini build after letting the tendons heal a bit? So now you're kind of talking about an injury specific question um, and wondering if you should jump into taper mode in order to allow the injury to heal. So first advice I can give you is if it is an injury now, you're getting flare-ups of tendonitis, then you need to address that. That is first and foremost, because if you're not healthy, it doesn't matter what you do for taper or training, right? Get some guidance by a local practitioner or someone who is a running physio who can help you, you know, virtually to get guidance on what you should be doing for those tendons because you need to address that. So that's first and foremost. And then depending upon how big the flare-up is, are we talking a couple of days, weeks, almost a month? That is going to dictate a lot too on where you're going with taper. So I wouldn't so much think of it as relating to the taper. I would guide your training based upon your injury and where you are in terms of pain levels. You know, can you walk without pain, right? Do you, do you, what are your pain levels when you run? What are your pain levels after you run? All of those variables that we do as running physical therapists, um, you need that guidance. That's what you need right now. Not so much, or am I doing a four-week taper or a three-week taper? Like you need more guidance on the specific injury. Um, so then Carolyn um, asked a question about training by mileage or training by time. Um, great question. It depends. I've heard, you know, many marathon runners be successful with both of those strategies. So it really depends, you know, most trail runners prefer to go by time, um, and time on feet versus mileage. Some people get, um, mentally, um, you know, it's a limiting factor mentally by looking at the miles and maybe time works better for them. So I would say, you know, and then the other question you asked about walk run strategy for a marathon, we haven't talked about that. So Carolyn's asking, can you do a walk run strategy? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Like I have many clients that I'm working with just like you, um, who are doing a walk run strategy and running New York, right? So they're running a marathon. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, you know, the Galloway method is pretty much the st gold standard and walk run strategies, but, you know, maybe starting with a one-to-one -one ratio, but then I have some runners who are doing like a two minute run 30 second walk. And there are many, many marathoners who have been very successful doing walk run. It's a great way to run your first marathon. So absolutely. Um, that is a great strategy. And then I think, um, yeah, Gigi, thank you for submitting your question as well. Another um, client in our program that um, is training for New York herself and crushing your training. Um, how much water and or electrolytes should a runner be consuming during a marathon? And how does it translate to cups? Most cups offered are half filled. Um, I really wouldn't perseverate on the cups. Um, it's going to really be hard for you to take in too much water. It really is. It's extremely rare. And we actually got another question before that I asked um, our registered dietitian, Brooke, on because there was a specific question um, with regard to base, basically, you know, can you take in too much um, electrolytes? And, you know, it's going to be really hard in a marathon for you to take in too much water. 
that is going to be too hard. And, but you have to use the electrolytes as well. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that in terms of the electrolytes, you want to go what is prescribed on there. So like, you're not going to take in too much electrolytes, which was another question that we got was, can you take too much electrolytes? So follow, like I mentioned for base all, there's like one to two licks, right? Every mile. Um, if you look at, you can hydrate, they're going to give you a recommendation, whatever, you know, um, noon is another one that a lot of people use. Like, look what the recommendation is. You're not going to take, you know, so much more than that. It's really hard for you to take what's on the course and that be too much for you. Like it's almost virtually impossible. I would, I would gather, I would go out on a limb and make that uh, guess. So I would not be worried about that. The, the most critical thing is most people don't get enough and you have to remember it is really hard, especially if you're sweating a lot, you have to take in the fluids as well as the electrolytes. Um, let's go next uh, quick question. I'm trying to go as rapid fire as possible. What's the biggest mistake novice runners make when doing a marathon? I would say not fueling, drinking, or taking enough electrolytes and going out there too fast. So definitely going out there too fast. That's actually one of the um, mistakes that we just recorded an episode that's actually going to be in the next episode if you're listening to this on the podcast in um, episode 142 with coach Clara Bartholik, the planted runner. That was um, one of her tips that she shared in top 10 marathon mistakes. So tune into that episode to get the other nine common marathon mistakes. And let me try to get one more question in here. Try to think of uh, you guys really, really stepped up the game. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so let's go to Claire. Let's get uh, Claire. Um, Here's my question about marathon training. I've been training for a marathon this fall and got COVID. Okay. Many people can relate in August, right? As I was supposed to be ramping up my long runs, this set me back a ways from where I was hoping to be. Can you talk about how to adjust training when things don't go as planned and whether it is an illness or an injury or just life? Okay. All of us deal with that. Um, do you have guidance about when to decide to go for it? Even if you're not prepared as you want to be versus scrapping the marathon altogether. All right. So this answer is um, going to depend on a couple of variables here, Claire, is number one, you definitely need to adjust your training. So I kind of mentioned that before. We have to modify. If you get COVID, you have to modify your training. There's everyone in our program has gotten COVID while we've been working with them. We've modified their training. So you have to, and you have to go and feel, you have to, is your body ready? Like, is your heart rate not spiking anymore? So there's a bunch of different variables that you'll know, whether it's subjective report on how you feel during your runs or whether the heart rate is still elevated than it used to be prior to getting COVID. Um, and you need to make those adjustments and listen to your body. And it's okay that it's not going as you had planned. And in terms of like making the decision whether to go for it or not, it depends upon how far can you safely build up those long runs. So if you can run an 18 miler, you can definitely do the marathon. Um, so that's really the minimum long run you need to get in. If it is anything less than that, it's going to be a highly, highly modified marathon, meaning you got to be okay with not 
any time goal whatsoever. You got to be okay with walking. You have to be okay with listening to your body during the race. So I'm not exactly sure if this is your first or if it's like your 10th marathon. So that variable plays a big role in this decision, right? And it's really a matter of adjusting your goal for the marathon than maybe what it was initially and seeing, can I modify my training plan as is based upon where I am right now, life happened, injury happened, illness, um, or is it just not safe for me to run the marathon because I haven't trained properly? I haven't gotten up to 16, 18 miles. If you're running 14 miles, your longest run, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do the marathon. I would say at that point, is it worth it? Honestly, why don't you just train right next time and you know, really do it the correct way? And or if you're battling an injury and it's still painful and it is something, again, there's so many different injuries on the spectrum and you know, in terms of like, what's a good injury to run through and not, and it's beyond the scope of this episode, we've had many episodes on injuries that you can list in the past, but it, it really depends. So again, if it is an injury thing, I would always defer to a local practitioner who can know a little bit more about your injury, who knows running and can guide you in terms of like, is it safe for you to run this race? Um, but you have to modify the plan. And that's really um, you know, where it stands out. And Joel, thank you so much for your questions. I did see them. I think I answered most of them in terms of nutrition, in terms of, uh, plated racing shoes. And, um, the only other thing that I would say is we didn't, and we talked about tapering as post recovery, post race recovery. I think I need to end this episode. Cause you can see, like, I can't even barely talk. Right. So that means it's time to wrap it up, Dwayne. Um, so I apologize for those questions. I did not get to, cause I feel bad because you guys like came in strong and you really stepped up to the challenge. Cause I needed questions and you guys like in a short amount of time turned around some phenomenal questions. I got like a bunch more. If like, if your question did not make it in this episode, please send me a DM on Instagram at spark healthy runner or on Facebook message me in messenger, Dwayne Scotty. I will answer your question personally. All right. I feel bad because you stepped up to the call and I want to answer your question. I apologize. It did not get on the episode guys. If you enjoyed any of this episode, you found value in it. Um, honestly, the one thing I just ask for you is if you can just like copy the link to wherever you're watching this, whether it's YouTube, whether it's on the podcast and like, just share it with a running friend of yours. Who's running a marathon. Like, please, that's all I asked. It's not a big ask, right? It just helps other runners learn what we're learning. Right. So one thing that I love to give to our community, right. I give you guys a lot, um, with that, not asking a lot in return, um, is for you to do the same thing, pay it forward. Right. So if you learn anything on this episode, I'm sure a running friend of yours would love to learn it as well. Who's running a marathon. So if you share it with them, that just helps more runners stay educated and stay healthy. So we can continue to train per marathon in a healthy way where it doesn't need to like lead to injury or lead to burnout or lead you to hate running because we want to be lifelong injury-free runners. So if you can please do that for me, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And as you're doing that, make sure that you're subscribed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, hit that little like rating, the stars, 
it will literally take you three seconds. And it just helps like the whole podcast world find out that this was actually good quality information that's helpful. And maybe it would recommend it to another runner who's like searching for running podcast. So I would greatly appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate you listening um, to this episode, wherever you did listen. If you're on a run right now, like definitely keep enjoying your run. I hope you are crushing your run. And, um, you know, those that really enjoyed this episode, you are going to certainly um, like the next episode on Ask Dwayne. Um, where we did answer your running questions, just like we did today, a little different format. Um, so for those who are listening on the podcast, just tune into episode 129. You get some great content, just like we did today, rapid fire, fire style. Um, or if you're watching this on YouTube, just click the next video and let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running until next time. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com 
forward slash spark your training. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.